As many of you may know, Pastor Christine's mom passed away this past week. They wanted us to come up here and on their behalf, thank each and every one of you for your prayers and for your love and your support. You guys have been amazing in showing y'all support for, for Pastor Christine and her family. But they did want to say thank you. They aren't able to be here today, so that gives us a very special guest speaker who's finishing up on his keyboard right now. If y'all will do me a favor, help me welcome Dave Haig, who's going to be giving our message today. Well, thank you, Jason. Good morning, everyone. How are we all? Good. Um, The good news for the youth, or the bad news, depending on your perspective, is uh, you get to stay in here today with us because Pastor Mark and Pastor Christine are gone, so thank, thank you for your indifference on that. I, I appreciate that. Uh, incidentally, too, if any of you aren't satisfied with the seat you've chosen and you want to take a minute to move now, I can look away. and No, no takers? All right, well, thank you uh, for being here this morning. I'm glad that each and every one of you joined us on a rainy, cold March day. Welcome. Is it St. Patrick's Day today, or is that Tomorrow. Okay, never mind. So, all right. Um, So over the last couple of weeks, Pastor Mark has been sharing with us some um, great messages in our current series entitled uh, All the Nations. And he's talked about some practical ways that we can all walk out uh, the Great Commission, the the things that Jesus has called us to do. And and we're going to continue in our theme this morning. But I wanted to start with a joke that I heard that I thought was kind of funny. In a Sunday school class, and this isn't a true story, so, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't get worried about it. But there's a Sunday school class going on, not back here where we have Sunday school classes going on. But there's one going on in the, it's like the twos and three-year-olds. I have a little two-year-old, and, and he's lots of fun. And the, their assignment that day was to color a picture, right, in Sunday school. So, so the kids are frantically coloring away. And, uh, you know, most of the kids have finished, and they've gone on to playing with trains and trucks and whatever two and three-year-olds do. And this one little, little girl is still coloring frantically. And so the Sunday school teacher goes over to this little, little child and says, uh, you know, we're, we're all done now. What, what are you coloring so, so frantically? And she says, well, I'm, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the Sunday school teacher kind of smiles and goes, oh, well, that's really cute. But did you know that people don't know what God looks like? Nobody's ever seen God, so people don't know what he looks like. The little girl looks up and goes, they will in a minute. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyways, there we go. So the Great Commission, let's start off with this. Pastor Mark touched on this, and this is... Um, kind of the key scripture for our, our series, and it's Matthew 28, 19, and 20, and it'll appear magically on the screens in front of us here, and it says this, it says, and this is the words of Jesus, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always even to the end of the age. So that's the, the passage that we call the Great Commission, that's referred to as the Great Commission. And it makes it really clear to all believers, all Christians, what we need to do. And the first thing is this, therefore, go. So he says, go to all of us that are Christians. And I once heard this great um, message, and the, the minister said, basically, if you're not called to stay where you are, then you should be going right? And like a silence hit the crowd and everyone started thinking about it. This is revolutionary thinking. And I'm not going to go there, but, but really the, the instruction that's really clear is, is go. And what, what that means to each of us is going to be different depending on where we find ourselves in life. Some of us who still live at home with our parents, um, you know, the, the instruction to go may be a little bit different than those of you who 
have a job and, and can go somewhere. And, and we all need to be seeking the Lord and asking him this question. Lord, where do you want me to go to do your will? And maybe some of us think the answer to that question is something very huge. And, and, and it could be something very huge. You know, maybe the Lord's calling someone here to go overseas or to go to another state or to go you know, wherever, we're all called to go somewhere. And that could be true, but also, and so that's, you know, something that we start planning for and working towards if we're called that way. But also, on a daily basis, it can be much smaller and much more practical than that. We can ask the Lord daily, hey, uh, Lord, what can I do for you today, right here in Galveston County, Texas? What can I do? Who can I talk to today as I stroll through the Kima Walmart? Uh, who can I help out today at the pizza place that I go to for lunch? What can I do for you? And that is also as big a part of the Great Commission, the Great Commission, because it's all great, whether it's minuscule or going to Africa or going to Chad or Nigeria. I think those are all in Africa. Going somewhere else that's very, uh, <laughs> very exciting. And so Jesus has given all of us this instruction to go. He didn't just leave it there, thankfully, because... If that be the case, there'd be no need to continue sitting here. We'd just all go somewhere and do something. He also gave us another clear instruction. This is going to be the key scripture that I hone in on today. And it's found in Matthew 5, 13 to 15, and we have it on the screens as well. Um, and, and this is Jesus' words here. In Matthew 5, 13 to 15, he says, to all, talking to all Christians again, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It's kind of a rhetorical question. People would have, just like you, the sharp audience here would say, well, no. But So he said, uh, can it be made salt again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Goes on to say, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. I'm going to read that last little bit again. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Now, so let's, let's stop for a minute and think about this. So we're all called to be salt and light to the world. And that instruction is is followed up by what I parked on there. It's in the same way, it's in the same passage there. Let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. So there's a link between being salt and being light. We're going to talk a little bit about what that is and good deeds that we do. The words that we speak, the behaviors that we exhibit, the attitudes that we convey to others. These are all things that add salt or add light or conversely, take away salt, take away light from the world. And, and Jesus' instruction is, in the same way, let your good deeds shine. Now, we're not talking about, you know, your salvation and whether you'll go to heaven is based on good deeds or not, because it's not, and we all know that salvation is found through Jesus alone, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is saved, so that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about now, every day, how you live your life, what, what we should do practically on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, so Jesus says, okay, be salt and light and let your good deeds shine, paraphrased. Now, let's compare and contrast that to the way that our society 
tells us often, or that we believe they tell us often, how we should live or conduct ourselves. And, and I, I like to think of this, uh, and maybe you guys can relate, as like nice guy thinking or nice girl, or, or get, it's Texas, I'll say nice gal thinking, nice guy and nice gal thinking. And, and it's kind of like this in my mind, nice guy thinking. It, it occurs when we start to think or we start to believe in our minds that it's more important that we be respectful of others, which, which is a good thing, and it's more important that we kind of, you know, be seen and not heard. And it's more important that we just live quietly. We go to church and we go home. We don't cause ruffle or ruffle feathers. We don't do anything. Instead, so we buy into that, instead of taking an approach that God says, where let your good deeds shine, where we can lovingly share God's truth and God's perspective on things. But often we just think, well, you know, I, I don't know if I can do anything about that situation. I, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut and be a good example. And that's good. And, and you know, we want to be good examples and we be loving and we want to be respectful. But oftentimes, people out there that don't know God's perspective on things, that have never read a Bible, have never logged on to www.biblegateway.com to check it out, they don't know what God's perspective is. And if we would sprinkle a little salt on something with a loving comment or an opinion given lovingly and respectfully, if we shed a little light on the situation, that could be exactly what we're called to do at that point in time. Instead of just saying, well, you know, I'm going to be respectful because everyone has the right to believe their thing. And, and so we got to think, well, but God told us to be salt and light. And, and, and we get caught up sometimes in this nice guy or nice gal thinking. And, and that's where, when I started saying, we can ask God, Lord, what do you want me to do while I'm walking in the Kima Walmart or when I'm at the restaurant or, what, or I'm at my workplace, what kind of things can I do that are wise to be salt and light? And, you know, there's things we could do that are very subtle that will make a huge difference. Small words can make a big impact. The Bible says the power of life and death is in our tongues. So that's pretty, pretty strong. You know, you could text a friend and say, I like you, and, and that could make their day, right? Little things. So it could mean, it could mean something else, too. But... Um, <laughs> if you're between 13 and 18, it will mean something different. But, um, so, uh, <clears throat> yeah, just say you're a swell person, so that's, that's fine. All right, so, so let's think about uh, salt for, for a couple minutes. And it's really a brilliant analogy that Jesus used for salt. And we use a lot of salt in American cooking, in case you didn't know that. There's, there's salt on everything that we eat. Even if you think there's no salt, there's salt in it, like... I think when you open, thank you, thank you, Charles, I see that hand, yes. And, uh, you know, even like when you open a, a, a carton of milk, I think there's salt in there now, so they've added it to everything for flavor. But, but salt by itself, uh, just in a, and I meant to bring a jar, but I was very forgetful this morning, but salt by itself is kind of useless. Even if it is salty, if it just sits in the jar in your pantry, or in one of those McDonald's packets in the bottom of your pickup truck, like on the, underneath the floor mats. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything, right? Like what, I mean, you have it, but by itself, it doesn't really do anything. But to satisfy all of our curiosity this morning, because I can see you all on the edge of your seats um, worried about it, I went to the internet to find out five, the top five uses for salt, like real salt, you know, the white stuff that we put on everything, like pancakes and stuff, the salt. <laughs> And, and, and I, found, I found the top five. So, and if it's on the Internet, we all know that it's true, so there's no, no, re, no need to debate what, what the Internet told me. So here we go. The number one use of salt is to enhance the flavor of your food. Well, 
Thanks for that rocket science tip right there. But that, that's the number one use. Okay, now number two is uh, rubbing it in your wounds. So apparently there's an old, uh, I won't say old wives because that's like politically incorrect. There's a young wives tale that you're supposed to put um, salt, salt in your wounds and that makes it like clot or something. But apparently that's not recommended by physicians, but that's the number two. Uh, so apparently, so don't, don't do it. But you could try it. So, okay. Uh, and number, now, this is one that none of you who grew up in the South are going to know this. So you're, you're about to be educated this morning. Are you guys ready for this? Number three used for salt is to de-ice roads and sidewalks. Now, my wife was worried about you all driving to church this morning in the rain. I reminded her it's never been frozen here except one time a few weeks ago it froze. But um, if you take salt, table salt, the stuff that you put on your French fries and whatever else you put it on, and put it on the ice on your sidewalk, you don't have to shovel. It goes away all by itself. So that's, you can thank me all later for that tip. I can tell you're, you're thrilled about it. So, so that's, that's the, the third good use for salt. All right, now, now number four. This is one, too, that's going to be revolutionary, I'm sure. It's um, if you sprinkle salt in areas where you have ants, they really dislike it. So, however, I've learned that uh, the fire ants that we have in Texas, which are an invasive species, don't care about salt. So, so you, can, you can sprinkle salt on, and it doesn't matter. But if you have the other normal ants in every other part of the country that don't eat you alive and eat your house and stuff, you can put salt on them, and, and that will uh, take care of them. That will remove them. Now, the most uh, informative use for salt that I have, because we need to know, I mean, you know, the Lord himself asked us, what good is salt if it loses salt? And we might as well know what good salt is, right? And this is it. This is amazing. Um, and this is what you can use salt for. Testing your eggs for freshness. I'll let, that, I'll let that settle in for a minute on you guys. Yep. Uh, and, and so here's the, I had to, I had to read the directions because I didn't believe this one. It says, if you place an egg in a cup of water to which two teaspoonfuls of salt have been added, a fresh egg will sink. A doubter egg, which means old, I guess, will float. So that is a use for salt. You know, if we were, like, junior high, we could, like, get out a Bunsen burner and do a little experiment, put salt in the thing, and it'd be very exciting. So, um, without salt, we'd live in a very bland world with slippery sidewalks, with all these things that we talked about, and we'd have no way to tell if our eggs are fresh or not, obviously, and, and, and we just wouldn't have anything to put on our French fries except ketchup and mayonnaise and whatever else you guys put on your fries. But when Jesus talks about being salty... Right? He's not telling us to, obviously, carry packets of salt around or have salt, because that would be, well, it'd be kind of funny, but it would, you know, wouldn't, be, wouldn't be that useful. What he's saying right, is the salt that he's talking about, the light that he's talking about, is about our character, about our heart, you could say, about our deeds, about our actions. And, and Jesus is saying that we need to add salt to the earth by being a follower of him. And that is when, when we live according to his teachings, when we live according to the way that he told us to behave, when we exhibit the attitudes that Jesus himself exhibited, then our deeds, our actions, our behaviors, our thoughts, they bring, people notice them, and it brings praise to our Father, which is a way of saying, people notice, there's another way of saying, people notice there's something different about you. There's something peculiar in a good way about you that makes people want to know what that is. You know, you can share scriptures randomly with people, and I mean, the word is powerful, and it might have an effect, but the way you behave and the way people observe that over the long term is going to be way more impactful, probably, and way more 
uh, have way more of an impact on them. And so here's the question to ponder. How or are each of us adding salt to the world that we live in? Or instead, have we said, well, I'm not going to worry so much about salt. I'm going to focus on sugar, being the nice guy. I'm going to add sugar to situations. I'm going to make it sweeter. I'm going to make it less, you know, if you put sugar on anything, it tastes better, right? We, we know that. That's, you know, clearly, if you have young children, they know that as well. So, but the Lord didn't tell us to be sugary. He told us to be salty and to be full of light. And there's a great, great need for salt in the world today, spiritual salt. I was reading some research by a firm called Barna Research, and they, they research um, like church-related, Christian-related issues. And, and recently they put out this stat, which is pretty sobering. Uh, 75% of Americans, and if you put that to under 18, it becomes 96% of teenagers, believe that morality, which in their definition is what is right and what is wrong, is relative by situation for each individual. So therefore, under this uh, understanding, to which three out of four of us, not necessarily in this room, but in our country, uh, would say is true, uh, they believe that the decision on how to behave or what's right or what's wrong uh, depends on the situation. So for example, it might, in this way of thinking, it might be okay to steal in situation X or Y. It's probably, under this thinking, it's probably okay to lie under this thinking. I'm not condoning this. It's probably okay to lie under these circumstances. Or if you really love the person and you're not married, it's probably okay to live together. Or all these things. And these are obviously not true and not correct. And the reason we know that is because the Bible, which we believe is not a relative document, it's an unchanging document, tells us what's right and what's wrong. Jesus himself laid out, not from a rules perspective, but because he loves us, he laid out um, a way that we can live that's going to work out better for us. And instead, our society said three or four of us believe that, well, it just kind of depends what's right and wrong. Sometimes it's okay to speed. Sometimes it's not. I don't know. It depends if, I have, if I'm rushing my wife to the hospital. I, maybe it's okay then. I don't know. But, you know, so, but you guys know what I'm saying. There's that thinking, and it's pervasive. And I'm just using kind of funny things. But this is pervasive in so many areas of our country, and it's happening right now. And, and think about, I, I was thinking about a few examples about where some saltiness is required. Think about the realm of politics today. Now, I am not endorsing or condoning or anything, any political party. I, I'm just saying in general, no matter who's we voted into power, think about what's going on. Laws that used to be based on absolute truths about marriage laws or our abortion-related laws are now being altered or done away with completely because this pervasive relative thinking, it's, it might be right in some circumstances, it might not, we don't know. And here's the question, where is the salt in our politics? Where is the light? And I believe it starts in the church and the people who go to the church. And you don't have to raise your hand, but did everyone in this room who's eligible, did you vote in the last election? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but maybe we should be. Who in here is called to enter the realm of politics? Most of us don't want to because we say, oh, it's all, maybe we believe it's corrupt or it's, the system can't be changed or that kind of thinking. 
Those are lies. The system can be changed. We just need to rise up and do it. And there's people out there on the front lines, Christian people. You guys know who they are. You may know who they are. They're taking a beating for the team, right? Where's the salt to help them? Where's the salt? Who here is called to go to Washington, D.C. to be a senator, a congressperson, or an intern, young people? All you got to do is get good grades, and they'll take you. I mean, right? That came out wrong. <laughs> right? Or who here is called to go to Austin and help our state government? Or to League City, City Hall, or Kima, or Texas City, whatever town you live in? A lot of these, all of these areas need salt. And, and, and the, the, the whole thing about being the silent majority isn't working out so good, in my opinion. So just a thought. That's something we can be praying about. and something we can really be asking the Lord. How can I be salty in politics? And like I say, I'm not endorsing any political party. Whatever your beliefs are, whatever the Lord has told you to do, we need to do it. We need to do something. It's not getting better. And that's not a doom and gloom service. I love America. It's a great place to live. I love it. All right. Uh, <laughs> here's another place that, that needs, uh, in fact, we love it so much, we moved here from another country. Imagine that. Huh? So, all right. Uh, how about in our relationships? Our relationships, a lot of them, need some salt. Think about the people that you know out there that seem to be accountable only to themselves, right? The, the whole, don't tell me what to do, don't tell me your thoughts and feelings, it's just all about me kind of people. Well, they probably need some salt. And the best way they can get some salt and some light in their lives isn't from people they don't know, but it's from people that are in relationship with them because they'll listen to people that know them, right? As opposed to, it's easy to ignore people you don't know. I mean, who cares what they say? You don't know them, right? I mean, that's, that's nice. But when you know someone, right, in your workplace, are we taking the time to get to know the people we work with? Do you actually go out for lunch with them with no agenda but just to hang out? Do you actually, these are things I, I think that we're called to do. The people at the other parents at our kids' sporting events, do we take a couple minutes and get to know, not just, hey, I'm Dave, I like you, Instead, we can, you know, take, <laughs> we can take some time to, to really get to know them because we need to form relationships. But oftentimes, you know what I've observed, and I'm sure it's not true here, but I've observed often with church attenders like all of us are, and I love that we're all church, I'm a church attender, obviously. Um, we, we end up in like what I call a church bubble where all our friends go to our same church usually or maybe a different church, but they have to go to church to our friends. And, and, and they all go to our church, and we, you know, every night of the week or four out of the seven or whatever, we do something with our church. And, and don't, don't, please don't misunderstand my heart. That's all good. We hang out with our church friends. But where's the salt in the other relationships, too? Why do we have such a highly developed Christian subculture and then a world that doesn't get it? They look at it and go, I, I don't get it. Well, it just tells me we need to do some stuff. We can be salty. We can be light. Remember, salt by itself is useless by itself does nothing. Salt in this room, I believe all of us who know the Lord today, we're salt, but we're sitting in a room that we're not seasoning relationships. We're not seasoning our country's political agenda. We're not, we're just here. And don't get me wrong, it's good, but we need to go out, right? Because remember the Great Commission, the first word was, well, the second word, it's therefore, go, right? Therefore, go. So salt by itself, not so good, but if we go, we can make a difference. Here's another thought, and I'm just about done. How about our entertainment? You, you guys that are like 
as old as me or older, and I won't tell you how old I am, but I'm way younger than I look or way older than I look or I don't know, something. But remember the, the days of entertainment, like back in the day when there was like one channel on TV? Well, maybe you got two if you had the, the really good bunny ears on top of your television set. And we all kind of watched the same thing. And it was basically all, you know, family-friendly, leave it to Beaver, Cleaver, whatever his name was, right? And that was, that was kind of it. And at the movie theater, there was one movie available, and, and that was kind of it. And it was, relatively speaking, fairly wholesome, right? And, and that was kind of the deal. And now, if you have, like, Comcast, digital preferred, upgraded, standard, Xfinity, something, something, or Time Warner, whatever cable company, you get, like, 7,000 channels, and 6,999 of them are useless, but you get them anyways, and you pay for them all. And they have, like, channels about how to eat food and channels about how to cook food and then channels about how to buy a house and how to sell a house and how to lose money on a house. And, and they have, like, any program you want, they've got it, right? But the thing is, when we've done that, or what's been happening in my, in just my opinion, is that the um, relative thinking about truth that we talked about, 75% of Americans say truth just depends, or any relative standards of morality are just washing away, being chiseled away slowly and slowly. And we don't even know because we can't consume all this information, but you can find all kinds of opinions out there that are contrary to what the Bible says. Obviously, you can, it's a free country. I understand people say what they want to say, but, but where is the salt in our entertainment? Clear standards of right and wrong have been replaced with no real standards, and as long as it's funny, we'll take it. It's, it's fine. The guy's really funny, so I'll listen to him or her, um, uh, their program. Or that sitcom is really funny. It doesn't matter to me that they live a certain lifestyle that, that isn't pleasing to the Lord. I'm going to give it ratings. And, and we know at the end of the day it's money that talks. If nobody watches the show, it gets canceled right away. Ask the network executives. If you take five minutes to call or email NBC's presidents or AB, whichever network, doesn't matter, they listen to that. And there's opportunities for us to be salty. And, and, you know, some of you in this room have mad skills or could get mad skills on making movies or TV shows or music or written stuff, whatever you want. And where is the salt? Where is the activity that we're taking? And why, why, here's one. Why is Christian music, like, and some of you may disagree with me, and that's okay, but why is Christian music often synonymous with kind of average music? Like, why is, why is that the case? Or, or why are Christian movies come with a rating like don't bother watching this rating instead of any, you know, like, why is that the case? And not, that's not all of them, and there's some good ones coming out, or spo supposed to be good ones coming out this year, and, and I hope they're awesome. But there's a, you know, these are just random thoughts I had on things that need salt, that require salt. And it could be from, in entertainment, it could be from producing the stuff, but it could also be just expressing our opinions to the right people on it and talking amongst our friends about the stuff going on out there, and we can be salty. Maybe there's some of us that are called here to be salt in that area. So just a few thoughts. The list could go on and on and on and on. But I won't go on and on and on because I'm, I'm already done listening. It's too long to listen to me. So, um, But I, I read, too, recently that um, it's usually or often non-Christians to justify their continued non-belief or continued yeah, non-belief is they often blame the shaky faith of nominal Christians. Some who know the term will say that Christians are hypocrites. Most people don't know what that word means, but that's what they'll say. They'll say, well, I see a Christian person, or I know a person that says they're Christian, but they're no different. They're no better. They have nothing to offer me. 
or it appears that they have nothing to offer me, there's, why would I pursue that? That just tells me, well, somebody, I mean it very lovingly, but somebody isn't being salt and light then. And I point the finger at myself, too. How many times have I made a mistake? Many, many times. I know all of us have. But nevertheless, we're still called to be salt and light. And Matthew 5.13 tells us, it's actually kind of a warning in there, that salt that becomes unsalty may actually be thrown out and trampled by men. And when we become salty, unsalty, excuse me, that's often what happens is we become trampled by men, not literally stepped on, but people say, well, there's no need to change anything I'm doing because I see this person that says they're a Christian and it's no different. And why would I, why would I give up my Sunday morning when I could be hunting or sleeping or golfing or whatever people do? Why would I give that up? And I just think it's because we need to be, or because they're not seeing the salt. They're not getting the flavor of salt poured into their lives. They're not seeing the light shining on a hilltop or hillside or lighthouse. They're seeing a light that's been covered by a thing that covers lights. (laughs) That's what they're seeing. And so each of us has a responsibility as believers, as Christians, to be salt and light. And the way we do that, again, on a day-to-day basis, hour-to-hour basis, say, Lord, what could I do to help somebody? What could I do to impact someone positively? Maybe it's give money. Maybe it's buy a filet fish for somebody. Maybe it's, I don't know, fill in the blank. It'll be different for all of us. But if we're not asking the question, we're probably, all of us, missing out on opportunities. So before we can be salty in our world, before we can be the light of the world, we need to have inside of us the source of light and the source of salt, which is Jesus and having a relationship with him. And if there's anyone in this room, guys and ladies, that have not at some point asked to have, asked Jesus to have a real relationship with him, not just uh, I said a prayer when I was a little wee tyke and I'm just doing my thing now and, and you know, I, I respect that. But Jesus wants to have a real relationship day to day so that I can ask him, what can I do to be salty? I kind of have to know Jesus to know what the answer would be because if I don't know him, then, uh, you know, it's probably not going to get many answers from someone you don't know. Right? So if there's anyone here, and I'm just going to, you know, sometimes guys will say, everyone close your eyes, and all that, you know, that's good, but, but it's really, you guys already know in your heart. If there's anyone here that says, hey, I've never made peace with Jesus. I've never asked him to take over my life. I've never surrendered it to him. If that's you, you want to put your hand up and say, because I want to pray with you that you'll know him. Anyone here that wants that? And if you already have, that's awesome. I, I asked the Lord into my life many years ago, and it's been, every day gets better. So anybody here? Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's great, too. We're going to close in prayer. Thank you guys so much for listening to me talk. And uh, I hope that 
rather than you know just thinking, oh, that was funny when you go for lunch, when you go to pour salt on your French fries or on your roast beef, on your, I don't know, chicken, whatever you put salt, we put salt on everything, on your eggs, you think not about me, because I don't, don't want to ever think about me, but think about, use salt for a reminder. Every time, you put, every time you're baking something that requires salt, which is everything almost, think about Jesus called us to be the salt. Every time you see a packet of salt at Chick-fil-A, think about what that means. Let it be a reminder to you every day. So let's close in prayer, and then we're going to go and do what we do on Sundays, which is like watch football. Oh, no, there's no football on to watch. There's nothing to do today then. Oh, we're going to eat. Okay. Eat, and then you can just go home and do yard work. Oh, no, it's raining. Can't do yard work today. Sleep. Okay. We've got consensus on sleeping. All right, let's, let's just pray. Thanks, you guys, uh, and, and let's close in prayer. God, thank you for today. And God, would you please, I pray, give each of us who are willing the opportunity each day to be salt and light to our world. I pray that each time we see a shaker of salt or a packet of salt, we'd be reminded of Matthew 5, where you tell us, call us, ask us to be salt and light to our world. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to walk out in very practical ways, things we can do to be salty as we work, as we hang out with friends, as we play sports, as we drive our cars, as whatever we do. I just pray, God, that each thought, each action, each attitude, each conversation, each thing we do, Lord, would bring salt to our world and would cause people to see our good deeds and then praise you for it and want to know you and know your son. And Lord, I thank you for each person here. I thank you for um, your blessings that you poured out on each of us, Lord. And I just pray, God, that you'd continue to work in our hearts and all of us, Lord, that we'd know you better and uh, that we would follow your voice and know your will for our lives and know where you've called us to go and what to do and how to do it, Father. Please help us. And, uh, Lord, we just pray for our pastors, Mark and Pastor Christine, as they're out this week with a bit of downtime and the passing of of, uh, Christine's mom and all these things going on. Father, would you comfort them, please? Give them strength and give them joy and peace in this, uh, in this time as well. And I, I pray that you just restore their souls with rest and with joy and, and be with them, we pray. And I pray for all the folks here too. Give them a fantastic week. Pray as we go to eat lunch right now, God, that we'd even be salty then. We love you, Lord. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Bible study Wednesday, 7 p.m. There uh, is service next week at 10 a.m. If you want prayer for anything, there's going to be some outstanding individuals up front here that would love to pray with you about any need or any request that you may have. And uh, I'm done talking. Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you next week.